0: Choosing another different subject today, I think I've talked on, but it may have been some time back, maybe before I started doing my podcast everywhere, it was just in one of my radio shows, but it's just uh, how would you, uh, for something that I can offer you that really doesn't cost you much but a little bit of time, but it's to attract bats to your property with bat habitat, we'll figure that out. You really learn to appreciate them and they're a natural insect control and they really enhance your ecosystem and biodiversity all around your living area. Before I begin with a little bat history, let me give you a little personal history. I had the good fortune to work a couple of years. I was with a company that we actually made fertilizer, mostly compost and composted organic material, all organic stuff incidentally, nothing synthetic or chemical. But we were able to go into what may be the largest bat colony in the United States, maybe and certainly one of the largest ones in the world. It's called the Bracken Bat Cave outside of San Antonio, Texas. And we were allowed to go in while the bats were, there's Mexican free-tailed bats. Most all of them go completely to Mexico from San Antonio and, and spend the winter. So when they were not in the cave, we were allowed to go in and take out about a quarter of a million pounds of bat guano. And then we rendered it down and made bat fertilizer that's just one of the best in the world. So I learned a lot about bats. It was really, really interesting. One of the things that was interesting to me is even the best outdoors people I know, uh, they have, would be there and they'd feel like a little chill when they can't, ran into our bats, swooping in and out, and especially at dusk and dawn. Perhaps it's a natural reaction of a fear of flying things. I don't know, because some of them were pretty good naturalists. Or maybe we're conditioned by lore and legend just kind of to abhor funny little furry flyers. I'm not sure why, but they they got used to it, but it was very interesting. In either case, bats share the floor with the spider somewhere when it comes to inspiring what I call unwarranted fear. Despite their kind of less than desirable reputation, which is more fiction than fact, bats possess a remarkable ability to control insects, especially disease-carrying mosquitoes. They also have a talent for pollinating plants and dispersing seeds, so therefore wherever they live they actually do promote biodiversity. Just for a little background, many bats and almost all of the bats here in the United States thrive on an insect diet. A single bat eats up to 1,200 mosquito-sized insects, listen to this, every hour that they're out flying. And each bat usually eats six to 8,000 insects every night. Their appetite for mosquitoes certainly makes a backyard more comfortable, but bats are opportunistic and their lack of discretion benefits everyone. Some of their favorite prey include crop-destroying moths, cucumber beetles, flies, and gnats, as well as a good number of mosquitoes. Natural insect control is really their specialty. It has now become very clear to many scientists that bats play an important role in nature and are largely beneficial to humans anywhere they're found in the world. Their appetite for insects being only one of the services they provide. Like birds, bats play a critical role in seed dispersal. For example, Fruit bats living in the tropics excrete seeds from the ripe fruit they eat. And they do this, interestingly enough, while they're in flight, often a considerable distance from where the parent tree was. The seeds, packed into their own fertilizer, bat guano folks, then grow into new fruit trees, regenerating the the vulnerable, ever-changing rainforest. Many people don't realize that there's also bats that drink nectar from flowers and, like hummingbirds, bees and butterflies pollinate the flowers. For instance, here in the United States, the saguaro and organ pipe cactuses, which grow in the southwestern United States here, depend on long-tongued bats for their pollination and their very survival. These particular cacti have actually evolved to become nocturnal as the bats themselves, flower only at night, and their configurations make them basically impossible to any other creature but bats to access their nectar and to pollinate them for the next generation. Unfortunately, at least 40% of bat populations worldwide are in danger of going extinct. Several characteristics of bats cause them to be very vulnerable. First, they're slow to reproduce. Most give birth to only one pup, yes they're called pups, a year, which means they cannot quickly rebuild from a population loss. Second, most bats roost in large colonies. Bats living in temperate climate zones hibernate in caves or mines during the winter. During the summer Maternity roosts can house several million females and their offspring. But the bad side of this is, as we uh, use more and more of our earth to exist on, it's kind of like putting all your eggs in one basket. Putting all your bats in one cave can result in a true disaster if the shelter is disturbed or especially if it's destroyed. And we now know much of the blame for declining bat populations rests on us, on human shoulders. We now know that bats are poisoned when they consume insects that have been sprayed with synthetic pesticides. And unfortunately for them, our newer pesticides, the, the, the new one in the basket that's evidently very, very destructive to both bees and bats, is an insecticide in the family called neonicotinoids. Now, why are they more dangerous than even the old, really powerful insecticides? It's because they work a little different. The old insecticides you can remember this. I met everybody that's listening knows. You go and you'd find a wasp nest, which incidentally, I don't even unless they're over the door, I leave the wasp. They do a lot of good for us too. But you get a sprayer out, you spray him, he literally falls to the ground and he's dead in 30, 60, 90 seconds. and it's over. The new neonics are into the plants. Some of them are actually part of the plants these animals are eating, these insects, and it doesn't kill them right away. So that evening, they go flying wherever they're gonna fly, the moths are going where they're going, and, and the bats eat huge quantities of them. Every time they get an insect and they swallow it, they get a little teeny, tiny bit of a poison, of neonics. It's in the bug, the bug ate it. It builds up, folks. Think about you having 6,000 or 8,000 bites of any food with even the tiniest bit of, of poison in it each time. Well, these bats are suffering very badly from it. It's really, really hurting their populations. Not to mention, even when they survive, it seems to appear to affect their overall reproduction rates. And I must here bring in one other problem, and that is the actual concept that they're actually losing their natural habitats. There are literally hundreds of species of bats, and a number of them prefer to roost in dead or dying trees under the loose and peeling bark, I've found them there dozens of times, or in tree cavities themselves. Some prefer to roost in caves and caverns, the ones I've dealt mostly with, but populations have dwindled and diversity has suffered without the protection of these important natural roosts. And like everything we do, we think a dead tree is a bad tree, so the first thing we want to do is remove it. And it not only affects the woodpeckers and the other animals and even mammals that live there, but it certainly, it certainly lowers the population of the native bats where you live. Which brings me to another point. Leave dead trees on your property when you can, if they're not gonna hang over your house or cause a hazard to anyone. They provide homes for bats, of course, as well as birds and other mammals. They're in themselves a microhabitat standing there and we just have a tendency to want to eliminate them. Try to keep your yard as natural as possible. Of course, number one, go learn a little bit more about non-dangerous, and there are such things, non-synthetic pesticides. Everything that you need to combat now can be done with natural or biological solutions. If you have the area, plant some trees. And oh, that dead tree we talked about is up in the back corner of your lot. Plant some nice vines. It'll stay there for years and support the vines and make it really what was looked like just a dead tree, kind of a pretty area in your yard, or your native plant area if you decide to put one in, which is one of the things I do recommend. One other thing I should mention here, you can actually attract bats by planting certain herbs and flowers, those that invite night flying insects. Flowers such as evening primrose, and there's one I use called sweet rocket, release really heavy scents at night, which attract insects and give bats, interestingly enough, just an easy meal. And the herbs we all like to use once in a while, for instance chives or mint or marjoram, also happen to attract nocturnal insect host. And finally, if you really want to become a a bat nerd, which I consider myself one with honor, put up some bat houses. There's a number of great designs on the internet, do-it-yourself DIY stuff, and a number of companies now sell pre-made bat houses that will work well in your area. In addition, you're going to also benefit, because some people do have Problems with bats getting in under their roofs and things, so you're going to give them an alternate place to live outside of your attics or your barns or your garages if that happens to be a problem for you. And finally, talk to your friends and family members and people you know and let them know bats first are not to be feared and provide really substantial benefits to the people in the environment where they live. One other thing I do need to mention, because every time I bring up bats, the first thing that comes up is rabies. Yes, bats are capable of getting rabies. They're actually capable of giving you rabies. Number one, teach all your kids, teach yourself, any animal, any mammal that's down, a bat laying on the ground, a coon that doesn't act normal in the middle of the day wandering around, they are not safe to be handled. Just don't touch them. You can... Report them to someone if you need to, but just just leave them alone. But I, the number I wanted to give you is .05. Bats are not any more likely to get or be dangerous to you. They don't get rabies and then fly down on you and, and, and bite you. It just doesn't happen. Usually the first time anybody sees a bat with, it, with rabies, it's already on the ground. It's already basically immobile. So they're not really a danger to you any more than any other animal. Probably most people for sure end up with they get exposed to rabies through domestic pets, especially dogs. Thanks for staying tuned to this portion of Organic Matters. I hope you enjoyed it. It's, it's a little interesting to me, and I'm in my 70s now, so I've been around a few years. Just how little we've known, especially about bats. I got so interested in them again because I have, had a business, got involved with the Bracken Cave through bci incidentally you want to give money to a good guy it's called bat conservation international and they now own that cave along with a number of other caves just to protect the bats he's a pretty good guy dr merlin tuttle but i want to thank you for listening uh think about them no they're not dangerous don't go picking them up they're not toys they're not going to make pets but boy for all the good they do believe me making a a little bat house at your place and and maybe changing a few of your flowers to give them a a more hospitable place to live, it could only complement your property and your house and give them a place to stay.